Mary Jufra. Hi, Mary. Hi, Serge. How are you? Good, great. Good. So, how did you come from um, traditional couple therapy to uh, biological couple therapy? Well, I, I have had a really interesting history. I started as a labor and delivery nurse, and the reason for that is because I always liked working with healthy people. And I never liked the focus on pathology. That's just been something, maybe because my mom was a psychiatric nurse, and I never liked that pathological focus. Mm-hmm. So I always looked for, you know, the health in people. And so within nursing, it, you know, labor and delivery was a very healthy place, generally speaking. You know, I mean, it was life beginning. Yeah. And um, and I worked with couples, and I taught about it. And what I saw was the dynamics going on, and I didn't understand them. And I wanted to know more. So I went back to graduate school. I studied at Nathan Ackerman Family Institute and at Center for Family Learning and Nourishell to understand what was going on with couples. And the, when I went to Ackerman, it was a more um, experiential, Ackerman-based. And I felt I needed a theoretical orientation to guide me. Yeah. So I went to um, Center for Family Learning and Nourishell, and that was a Bowenian-based, based mm-hmm. on Harry Bowen's work. And Mary Bowen, interestingly enough, way back in the 50s, described his work as biologically based. And a lot of people don't know that, but he really did. He talked about the triune brain, you know, the three brains, Mm -hmm. the cerebral cortex, our executive, the um, mammalian brain or limbic system, which is, uh, you know, the emotional brain. And he talked about reptilian brain. He didn't especially talk about trauma and fight-flight, but he did talk about the three three brains. So that gave me an orientation that was very systemic. So when I, in those days, when a couple would come in, in those days still, I not only see this couple, but I kind of know them as part of an energy field, a field that includes their extended families and their extended families through the generations and I'm very aware of the impact of wars and traumas and various kinds of racism and every other kind of ism and yeah. on, on, on individuals and, and their experience. So, so it's not just them, it's their life history. Yeah. So, so in other words, um, um, from the uh, uh, dealing with couples, um, uh, already a sense in Bowen that uh, it's not just what traditionally was called psychological, Absolutely. but seeing people as uh, you know animals, as uh, living beings, as biological, neurological, and uh, also seeing a system, not just each person, but each person as part of larger systems, a previous family history, the traumas, what happens in the world. Um, and so that would make a natural link between family therapy as a system and, and, uh, and biology. Absolutely, absolutely. And fascinatingly, it, you know, I worked with that for a long time, and what I felt I needed more of I was doing great with the system, but I felt I needed to do in depth with each couple as well as the system, not only back in terms of their extended family, but how that extended family affected them, not just in terms of triangles, but, you know, over closeness and that kind of thing, but also in terms of 
how did it affect them specifically? So I went, went on and I, I, tr- I studied addictions for about a year and I did that because I felt it was an issue in every family and I thought it was related and I wanted to see how to put it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I could see how the addictive process operates in all families. I mean, addiction is just a way of avoiding life. You know, it's closing yeah. off sensations and feelings. And that was very biological, so that was taking much more into the biological. And then because of the addictions, I realized that, um, the spirituality aspect seems to, seem to help people dramatically. Mm. And, um, you know, through 12 step programs, higher power. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I felt I could see the intergenerational, the systemic, I could see the spiritual, but what I, re- and I certainly knew the emotional because I had, you know, a more traditional training early on. Mm-hmm. What was missing was the body. And so I felt I needed to get back into the body. So in my own educational background, I then uh, studied core energetics originally, and it mm-hmm. certainly got me into the body, and I tried to relate the body to the family. But then after that, I studied somatic experiencing, and that to me pulled it together. Because yeah. what that brought in was the idea of trauma, and trauma, and how trauma, trauma has such an impact on our nervous systems. And not only our trauma, but the trauma that our parents experienced, and that our grandparents experienced, and that our great-grandparents experienced. The trauma, until it's worked through, remains in our body and in our DNA. So um, a couple walks into the room, and I have a whole lifetime and many lifetimes right there in the room for each of them. And they're not just responding to one another. They're responding to programming that has a long history. So I want to just stay there for a moment because it's a very powerful thing. Is um, uh, when we see a couple, we tend to be drawn into the drama of the uh, uh, the situation that's bringing them right there, into the intensity of their struggle or suffering. And uh, the point you're making is actually when we see them, we're not just facing that, but we're facing a whole history that's very much present and and through their body. Absolutely. Just last evening I saw a couple and um, she was kind of shut down and I talked about what she needed and she said she needed him, her husband, to say hello to her when he came in. Mm. And so, um, you know, he, he kind of was willing to do that and so on. But as we talked more and more, it really, what happens is if he doesn't, it brings her back to the time when she was a little girl at home and her dad was an alcoholic and he would come in and everyone was focused on him and her mother was focused on him and he was and she was feeling neglected. So she's here in the room with her husband. He just comes in from work and is preoccupied because he's had a bad, you know, challenging day. And she's back in the past, a little girl who's really wants someone to say Below to make contact and that brings in um, the work of Stephen Porges 
and the dorsal vagal ventral. Dorsal vagal. So I want to I want to just stop here just for a moment. Uh, so uh, you know when you see the person, uh, this woman, uh, she sees her husband and he brings her back into that situation in the past with her alcoholic father. Right. So uh, that's where maybe there is a similarity with the trauma model, the trauma way of thinking, and things like overcoupling and uh, uh, you know how th- there are connections between past and and present events. Absolutely. Because just to give you an example, when she started talking about it, he kind of got a little bit frozen, shut down looking. And and so what I needed to do then was say, we'll be back with you, Jane. I'm going to go now and talk to Joe. And so then I said, Joe, what's going on? And I tried to make eye contact because it's really important to get that um, ventral vagal contact. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are times, and I will even with permission, ask her to put her hand to the shoulder, or even I might do it, you know, with permission. And mm-hmm. touching a person like that on the shoulder is very grounding. And if that's not appropriate, then I, even in my intent, will put my intentional hand on his shoulder, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. But that will kind of ground him, or even your foot against your foot. And that will ground him, and he will then, you know, when you say what's going on, and he will take a deeper breath and begin to connect on that on a ventral vagal, you know, on a social regulating nervous system level. Mm-hmm. Look at you and so and then he'll calm down, okay? And then what just happens? So then you ask him and you say, Well how do you feel uh, uh, I felt uh, what are you feeling right now? Well I feel a tension in my chest. Okay. And as you feel that tension, what happens next? Well, it goes into the back of my neck. Okay, well, let's hang out there for a while. It's okay. It feels a little heat. Okay, what now? And it's kind of going into my arms. Okay. And it's just mm. what arms would like to do. It's like, oh, I, I, his, his hands are making a fist. I say, there's something your arms would like to do? And he could just feel that. And he said, oh, I just feel so... And then his hands go kind of up in what... In somatic experience, we would call a defense-oriented posture. Mm-hmm. And so his hands are towards me, and so I will say, "Okay, Joe, now let's just be curious and see what your hands want. We're trying to tell us they're communicating. You know, body language is a form of communication. So let's let them talk. We'll be curious. Yeah. And I'm, at the same time, I'm working with him. I'm looking at Jane to see how she's doing, and she all of a sudden is really interested and involved in looking. Because he's talking about himself, he's into himself, so that's what she wants. So she's really very interested, and it's not about her. You know, yeah. when they're in, in a couple situation, if it's about the other person, they, de- they can be defensive, but this isn't focusing on the individual, on her husband. Yeah. yeah. So as he does that, he, and he, he puts his hands, and he, and he just really does it, and then he gets an image um, when he was a kid, and his mother criticized him a lot, and he would walk in the door, and she always had some kind of a complaint so he, you know, got in touch with that and sort of went through this kind of physically, his body pushing his mother away. I don't mean any, just in in his mind's eye and feeling it in his body. And then there was kind of a little vibration as he discharged and that passed. And he took a deep breath and he felt better. And um, his wife looked, his, her eyes got wide, she felt, and she kind of smiled and felt some sense of love towards him, and they connected. So, great. What was the issue? Was really 
her individual issues about her father's her father, you know, the drinking and the lack of attachment when she when she was a little one and people didn't fuss over her. And his was back to when he was a kid and walked in and people were on his case too much and he wanted them to leave him alone. So mm-hmm. nothing to do with one another, but they were kind of living out experiences that hadn't been completed in their past. So, it's a so I want to I just slow down a little bit because I think that it was a really beautiful, beautiful vignette you were giving. And um, maybe it makes sense to underline a couple of things. Um, how first... Um, you didn't jump into having them argue or discuss or uh, you know deal with um, with the ostensible situation, but you were focusing on noticing whether or not they were grounded. Absolutely. And if if I let them just get into this arguing, this disagreement, which is what they do at home, it really they would have both gotten their nervous systems would have gotten very activated probably ungrounded and it, it would have been leading to no it was sort of it was same old same old and so they don't come mm-hmm. to the therapist's office to do the same thing they do at home you may uh, let them run through it once to see how the process works but once is enough you, they just don't yeah. come to the office and keep fighting and fighting uh, that just is not in anyone's best interest it just overloads their nervous system and doesn't help anyone yeah, so it's absolutely not, you know, continuing that pattern, but really going into a different pattern where you're really, and I think you're very insistent on the idea that nothing can happen until they're grounded. Absolutely, absolutely. And you just made an interesting point, Serge, where you said it's a new pattern. And not only is it a new pattern, but it's also a new pattern in the brain. Because mm-hmm. the whole pattern is, she does this, he does that. You know, we we would call it the Murray Butt Bowen two-step. Same old, same old. You move in, mm-hmm. move out. But in this case, what you're doing, you're doing like a pre-pre-prodromal change so that they're going to uh, have a new pattern operating, a new new channel in their brain. So there's an option. They have an option. They don't have to just respond with the same old programmed way, they can have a new program and a new way of responding. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like learning a new skill. And learning a new skill, yeah, yeah. Developing a new capacity of the nervous system. Uh, and I want to underline another part again. This vignette was really beautiful as you were describing how you were working with the man. Uh, you were helping him uh, emerge out of that freeze state. Yes, because if someone is in a free state and then the other party starts either getting angry or saying, tell me you love me, it's just never working. So you have two very frustrated people. He's getting more and more frozen and she's getting more and more frustrated, which will make him more and more frozen. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Sometimes what you need to do, and when I describe the two of them, if she's really, really activated, his wife, very angry, very upset, I'm going to have to work with her first. This, in this case, she wasn't that angry, just a little bit, but if the person's really getting very activated, you, you deal with the person who's the most activated first to kind of calm her down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go to, in this case, the husband, and... You try to 
connect with him, just kind of make some kind of human connection that feels safe. So one would be just to be present and to look at him. He may be able to make eye contact. And if I can stay really calm, it's kind of like when a baby gets really upset. Mm-hmm. Hold them on your shoulder gently, and they're hysterical. But if you can stay very calm in your system, their whole being goes, oh. And it's sort of a parallel. But in this yeah. is the freeze that's added to it. So, and with the freeze, you, you just help them to feel safe. And the way to get safe is to come from that that sort of survival mode of fight, fight, of freeze, and just get them back into contact with you is one way. And then once you get contact with them through eye contact, through you know touch on the shoulder, a foot next to a foot, whatever, then they can get in touch with that frozen fight response, you know that, or that frozen flight response. Mm-hmm. In the case of this fellow, it was that frozen um, uh, defensive-orienting response where he mm-hmm. he needed to sort of ward off his mother. You know, his body wants to stay, stay away, stay away. We've yeah. Known. So, so again, in the in that very nice you know vignette you were doing, uh, you were describing how uh, having gotten in contact with him and having uh, you know created more safety, yes. you were able to uh, not only observe his body language and his movement, but get him to experience them in such a way that he was able to experience this uh, uh, defensive orienting and the warding off right. of the attack from his mother. Right, exactly. And it could have been that what was frozen was his anger at his mother, and and that may be underneath. And then he would just feel that, and I don't mean in a cathartic way, getting very angry, because that would overload his nervous system. And he has a nervous system that can't get that activated. That would be kind of like putting 220 voltage into 150 wiring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so very gently... In a very slow, titrated way that he feels contained, he would begin to feel. Or he might even say, well, what was underneath is that what would he walked into the door? What he really mm-hmm. wanted to do was to run out. You know, yeah. flee. And so in that case, you could say, okay, just imagine yourself running. Feel it. Mm-hmm. Feel your legs running. You feel the wind on your body. And where would you go? Would you run to the beach? Yeah, I'd run to the beach. And so he would run to the beach and uh, would feel that uh, deep breath. Mm-hmm. And so as you did this process with him, uh, you were able to make visible um, what is going on during that typical interaction. Yes. And uh, also to, uh, uh, to in a way, elicit its meaning. Yes, exactly. In a very calm, quiet, non- non-reactive way, because if he started getting angry or wanting to run, and she thought it was about her, his wife would get very, very active. You get two highly activated people in the room. So mm-hmm. it's important. You can't. It's not doing individual therapy with two people. That's not what this is about. This is doing couples therapy. 
individual therapy is not the same as couples therapy because individual therapy would be just doing this therapy in this room with this person and therapy with that person. But when you have two people in a room, you have a new system. You have a couple system that has its own life, that has its own programming, that has its, has its own reactivities. So whatever is going on with him, with you need to watch continually to see how it's affecting her. And yeah, so what the, 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 the sense I have, you know, as you're describing this process is something that I would call parallel processing. You know, you process one, uh-huh. uh, the other is there, you know, and as each person is able to be grounded and present, uh, there is the possibility of learning from what's happening to the other, so that it's not individual therapy, no, it, but it's not uh, it's not arguing, it's really that something happens to one and the knowledge is transferred to the other and enriches the situation. Absolutely, and what you just said is key, uh, Serge. Something happens to one and the knowledge is transferred to the other. And the issue is, because they have a life history together and an established system, that knowledge is transferred in a variety of different ways. It may be transferred um, emotionally, in, through an emotional way of frequency. It may be transferred intellectually. It may be transferred somatically. So mm-hmm. he feels him in her gut, or he does some, she does something... And he shuts down. He can just feel himself holding his breathing. Um, and it's much more intense with a couple that would be two friends. Much, much more intense. Yeah. Because of the, the, the physiologic connections and the connections they have are so intense. And you have two families merging. And so that you now have all of the, the intergenerational issues from those systems impacting on this system. So... To do individual work with couple, I, I think is, well, I'm not the only one. Um, there's been a lot of research that 80% of therapists do individual therapy and only 20% are trained to do it. And um, that causes a lot of issues. I know I see a lot of clients who have, are in a really bad place because of things that have happened in the past. So it's real important for um, the couple to be seen as a couple as a whole system intact. Anytime anyone says uh, he's a good one and she's the bad one, you're caught, man. It's no longer systems. Right. It's no longer systems work. If you define good guys and bad guys or right and wrong, you really don't have a system because systems have, are reciprocal. I mean, the nature of a system is that, that it's interconnected. You know, one under functions, the other one over functions. You know, mm-hmm. That's just how systems work. So the systems piece is key for me. And the physiologic yeah. system is even more complex. Yeah, so that's a, that's the, the the crucial variable compared to the uh, traditional uh, couple therapy is you see the system not just on a psychological level, but also on that uh, neurological level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the family and, and neurologically, even the family systems in terms of attachment and so on. You know, I mean, a love relationship is certainly, it's all about attachment, trying to connect. And so the patterns of connection in the extended family will come out with one another. And um, so 
And in the example you described uh, uh, earlier, that vignette of these people you saw last night, uh, you know, it was very clear how in your work the patterns of attachment in the original family are very present in the moment and very present at the level of how each person reacts, their body language um, and uh, and their nervous system reaction very much in the consulting room at the time you're with them. Right. And one of the things as well that I find a lot when I'm with a couple, you can sense them getting stressed or activated just a little bit or kind of a little shut down. If I work very hard to stay present, and I try to connect with them on that level. It, it's not necessarily verbal. Mm-hmm. I can, but if I try to do that, it's the same thing as with with anyone, with children. When there's an anxiety in the room, you, if you can modulate your own nervous system, you can calm down that nervous system. And for some of these couples, it's the first time they have felt contained. You know, they grow mm. up in very chaotic families. Um, and so people fight and they carry on. And so to be able to feel very upset and to be able to contain that upsetment and that someone else is there, not trying to fix you, not trying to take it away, but trying to be present and to try to hold the container for you to feel that, then you, the, the couple will calm right down. Yeah, yeah, so very important for the therapist to function as a calm container. Absolutely, and, and, and that's the whole thing with your own counter-transference kind of thing. If a couple is doing some behavior that kind of is similar to something with you and your partner or something for your family, and you identify with one or the other and you try to fix it, you know, in, in that way, then you're not going to help. You need to hold, contain and um, help them to do it. Their body knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't know what to do. Their body knows what to do. I can be a coach and help them to do certain kinds of, um, you know, exhibit certain behaviors, like to, okay, slow it down a little bit, or, okay, getting them off the intense focus on the other party and say, okay, well, so that's real, like, for instance, um, if the, the, the husband comes in and he's not dealing with his wife, he just wants to talk about the children, then you say, okay, so rather than getting caught up in talking about the children, is as you talk about little Johnny, what happens to you? What's your mm. fear? And what's your greatest fear around that? And what happens? You take that back, and invariably it goes back to something in his own family, you know, invariably. Mm-hmm. It, it may be a little, a little different code, you know, but it's similar, for instance, um, I, I remember having a couple and his wife, they were newly married and the, the wife got very angry about something. She was from a kind of family where people let it all hang out. And as soon as she did that, he shut down immediately and said, oh, I went out of here. Well, he had, <laughs> he, he had a mentally ill brother. Mm. About nine or ten when it started. And so whenever he, ever he sees this kind of out of control behavior, what perceived it, it may not be that out of control, but anything he just freaks and it takes him back to the trauma of his mental mm. brother and he alone with this brother. So then I had to deal with him around the trauma of that and help her to see that it wasn't about her; it was about what this triggered in his in his um, patterning. Yeah, yeah. So really, a sense of um, how 
everything is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. And uh, through this process of containing, of slowing down, of paying attention to uh, uh, resonance, to uh, uh, the inner experience, that's a way to deal with all these dimensions uh, in a way that's very manageable and organic. Absolutely. And the couple feel more contained when they leave the office. They're not going to go outside and start fighting. They may start fighting the next day. <laughs> and then you'll deal with that the next week. But they, they've learned. They've had the life experience of sitting in their own space, sitting in their own body, having a different opinion from someone else or a different feeling from someone else, and knowing that it's okay. You can feel that. The other person can feel it. The whole world doesn't come to an end. No one dies. And you can experience it. So it's sort of, the more you can do that, the more you expand their capacity to experience emotions, feelings, sensations, life. You know, the more you can slowly take in, in a very titrated, focused way, life experience. Yeah. Rage or happiness, because people have as much trouble with good feelings as they do bad ones. You know, that's why they have good sex and a fight the next, you know, little while. Mm -hmm. It's because... The good feelings are too intense. Their wiring is not quite able to deal with such intensity. That's why they distance and go off some. So you kind of have to begin to help them to kind of rewire so that their wiring expands more and more to take in more and more and more of life. Yeah. So your role as a, where you see your role as a, uh, in uh, biological couple therapy is to expand the capacity of each person and of the system uh, to absorb the intensity of things that have to do with attachment. Right, and, and of life, and, and whether it's the, the, the happy, wonderful, or the sad, mm-hmm. and it's and just life. It's, I guess it is, it's attachment, but it's just the living experience of what goes on and the fact that people are different. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. about is defining yourself is very important. You know, so many people think to become one, and clearly two are always two. You yeah. become one in the sense of a new system, but you have to maintain your individuality or you're submerged in another person and you lose yourself, and that's not healthy for either. One gains self and then the other lose self, not good for either. And that's a way of avoiding the growth that we need to do. That, that who am I inside? And I'm not all wonderful. I have two sides. I have a very loving, nice side, and I have another side. And it's all part of who I am. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so you know, I have a sense that, in a way, part of this whole process is also helping growth in the sense of helping each person deal with um, uh, that dual role of being both a member of a couple and an individual and being able to see the differences between me and the other person. Absolutely. And I think, uh, it's my own personal belief, I think that a couple relationship is just a great opportunity, challenging, but a great opportunity to grow. Because in friendships, you can be the way you want to be. You can just go to level four and be level four. You know, that's who I am. That's the kind of person I am and the other person agrees with that. When you get into a couple relationship, it's become so much deeper and so much just biologically closer that you're forced to get in touch with the other aspects of yourself. With a friendship, if a person brings up a part of yourself you don't like, you can distance from them for a while. 
uh, or forever. But with a couple, if they bring up a part of you that you have trouble with, um, it's harder to run away. You know, it's there. It comes back every day to hit you. So mm-hmm. it really forces you to see who you are if you allow it to. And I think intimacy, I don't think it. people say, know that, that intimacy is really, the more intimate you are, it's not just about a sexual intimacy, it's about emotional intimacy, a spiritual intimacy, an intellectual intimacy, emotional, that to be able to share all of who you are with another person. Mm. The more you can share who you are, um, the bad or the unpleasant as well as the pleasant, the more intimate you become. You know, people think, some some couples think, well, when you just say, oh, wonderful things, I love you, and it's, well, that's not it, that's a piece of it, but but the part where I don't feel so good about you, I don't like you so much, I don't like myself so much, that's the other side. To be able to contain that and have a large enough container of love to experience that. I mean, we certainly have that with, with children growing up. You know, they'll say, I don't like you. You know, my teacher is nicer than you are. Right. And yet you still love them and you hope yeah. that. You don't say, oh, you like your teacher. Well, hopefully you do. <laughs> it's the same thing with a couple, you know, that you can hold, not to be cruel, but just to contain the truth of who one another, you know, who you are. Not mm-hmm. in a cruel way, not to say something just to hurt, but to say something to own it for oneself. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a um, really a, a help on this growth process of increasing the bandwidth for intimacy. Right. And one of the important things I also do with couples is really to teach them how to regulate their nervous systems, because when they're not in the office and they're at home, you know, I will encourage them to teach them in the office, but practice at home. When they start feeling activated, when their heart rate starts going up, or they start getting a pain in the back of their neck or, or a headache or they can feel themselves just contracting or holding their breath then what they need to do no matter how much the other person wants to chat and continue the discussion they need to say look I'm going to take a time out and I'll be back you need to come back within 20 minutes I'll be back in 5, 10, 15 or 20 and then go by yourself rest yourself and then come back mm-hmm. um, and and then you're in a better Position and a couple do that. Someone was in the other day and he was saying that that he was, you know, with his partner. In this case, they're not married, but he was with his partner, and she started saying things and he could just feel himself getting uh, very activated. His nervous system he could feel his body in the shift. So he said to her, "Look, excuse me for a second. And he went inside and he waited. In this case, I think ten minutes, and he came back and they had a really good discussion. If he had stayed, there would have been a blowout. You know, mm-hmm. people if just say, you know, I need to get a glass of water, um, sorry, I, I have to go to the bathroom, do whatever you need to do, or just say I need a timeout. But it makes such a dramatic difference, because if one of the partners is act, starting to get really activated, if they can contain it, it's fine. You know, you kind of know yeah. people. But if they start getting that, they just start losing it and getting ungrounded and losing their ground and losing their sense of containment, then it's all, all the energy is coming up, 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 and it's going to come out. Or it's mm-hmm. going to in, 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 and it's going to freeze, neither of which are particularly, or they'll go out, 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 and they kind of dissociate. So um, the important thing is for people to learn how to study their own nervous systems and their own bodies and to learn how to regulate it, to learn how to say, okay, 
how do I soothe myself? How do I soothe my nervous system? What do, well, I think of a wonderful, I think of the beach. I think of sailing. I think of skiing. I think of my children. You know, how often I'll do that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm another couple I talked about in the book, um, and he comes in and he starts getting very, very angry at his wife, and she starts freezing. You know, and she just, her eyes get kind of glassy, and she just withdraws and doesn't say a word. She's just sitting there. No one's home. And so what I'll say to her, and what I have done is, hey, Lucy, how, how, how did the tennis go? How did the um, soccer go with the kids? And she's, oh, and she immediately, hmm. and she talks about the game and the kids and the soccer, and she's back again. So it's just getting, when you get stuck in a place, Go, yeah. Go to, don't keep at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, go go to another place that's pleasanter. Go where there's movement and where there's life. You know, instead, yeah, instead of getting in staying stuck. Activity. Just go off to another channel. That's a, a you know a pleasant channel. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mary, as actually we're coming to the end of the conversation, um, is this a good place to end, or would you like to add something to uh, as a as an end? Well, I guess um, the one thing I would like to say is that uh, on my website I have this as well. Um, I have four comments which I feel really strongly about. One is define yourself or be defined. And that's mm -hmm. important. If you're in a relationship, you better say who you are, what you feel, what you think, or someone else will define you and tell you what you think, what you feel, who you are. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. Nature abhors a vacuum. So space is important to define yourself, but you also need to fill that space with who you are. So it's define yourself. And I also talk about them. Relationships are serious adventures for adults and not Disney rides for kids. Um, mm. It's not you live happily ever after. It's hard work. But growing and becoming a person is hard work. Becoming a professional is hard work. Why wouldn't being a human be hard work? <laughs> fun sometimes, but hard work sometimes. And um, the other one is um, pause, leave space. And that's really, really an important piece that sometimes the most important thing you can do is just leave a little space between you and the client, between each other. Just and taking time is part of that, you know, that leaving a little space. But leave some space, internal space as well as external space, you know. Taking a breath, going inside, breathing, is creating a little more space so you're not so constricted whatever with it, whatever the drama du jour is. Mm -hmm. And then finally, what I talk about, which I feel so strongly, is that our body is our greatest database. Mm. Our body contains our life history, our ancestors' life history, and also human life history, our evolutionary life history. And we're really complex beings with very rich, deep life histories. And um, we need to respect that. It's not just emotional. It's not just attachment. It's not just cognitive. It's a very, very rich life history. And we need to be sensitive to it and hold it with a, in a, really a container of love and peace as much as we can and resonance. 
So Mary, just as I'm hearing you talk about uh, these points, and especially the last one, I have a sense of um, maybe a different approach to the the word, the concept of biological couple therapy and uh, the word biological. And at the same time, as there's a very practical or scientific sense in it, I also get a sense of uh, spiritual in that because it's a sense of being part of something larger and larger than the psychological issues, but something that's encompasses all of our humanity and history. Yes, yes, yes. And, and when you think of it, if you go out to space, the Earth is just a little globe, and the further out and more, the smaller we become. And the yeah. unity of it all, the unity, and that's why I say the system, to just look at one person apart from, an, uh, from the partner, apart from their environment or their family or their culture, is, you know, you do have to zero in sometimes and you can focus in in depth. One of the reasons I got into this body work is to do that, to try to take that systems down and ground it. And to me, that's what you do. You take all the vastness of life and ground it into that body, which mm. is really grounded into the, uh, into the earth. Um, yeah. Um, it's funny, I'm studying biodynamic craniosacral therapy. And one of the things they talk about is that there's um, a note accord when we're in, in um, embryologic development that develops right through the center of our body, an energetic notochord. And from that, all everything develops. And so we talk about that from the heavens, the sky, you know, right through the being into the core of the earth. And so we're kind of like held here on this planet through this grounding, this magnetic pull of the earth. And then we're also suspended in this larger vast universe but mm. body is our container and that's our ground and so that's why for me that's just the most exciting place to focus on great great thanks mary You're very welcome serge this recording is part of the somatic mindfulness and relational psychotherapy podcast see the website relationalimplicit.com